This episode of the School of Last podcast is brought to you by Patreon supporter Brian Bates. If you'd like to learn how you can support the podcast through a small, recurring monthly donation, just visit schooloflast.com forward slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And we also have another sponsor. Hi, this is Leslie Norris Townsend, and I want to invite you to be a part of the Clean Comedy Challenge 2017 in Pasadena, California, and in Chicago, Illinois. The Clean Comedy Challenge invites comedians of all levels to have a chance to work on a real comedy stage with real comedy pros watching and privately critiquing you. It's Eddie Brill, Dwayne Kennedy, Dobie Maxwell, Jimmy Brogan, Dennis Regan. They'll all be on board for these private critiques and seminars, so you don't want to miss out it's no auditioning early fee before may 1st go to www.cleancomedychallenge.com when you register make sure you mention the school of laughs podcast so i know where you came from welcome to the school of laughs podcast brought to you by schooloflaughs.com whether you're an aspiring comedian a part-time pro or a speaker who wants to become funnier this is the podcast for you We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Thanks again to Brian Bates being our Patreon supporter for this episode. If you don't know what I'm talking about when I say Patreon supporter, you can simply donate a recurring amount each month, whether it's $3, $5, $7, or more dollars each month, gets you on the Club 52 list where you receive an email each week with specific instructions on how you can take your comedy further faster, whether it's the business, performing, or writing aspect of comedy. We cover all of that in Club 52. Well, this week on the podcast, we've got a fun insightful interview with Lucy Sinsheimer. She is the manager at Zany's and uh, also Stand Up Live in Huntsville. She kind of goes back and forth between the two clubs and she will give us some great insight as to uh, how she approaches booking comics, how she finds out about comics, uh, how much she's inundated with requests from comics, and how much she loves comedy in general. She uh, she got into this at a pretty young age. She's just 25 now, been at Zany's in Nashville for three years, pretty much right out of college, uh, shot over here and, and started working, and I think has been a huge positive in, impact on the club. You know, the club had been kind of doing the same thing for quite a while and she came in and gave it a real fresh breath and a, a fresh approach and i think things have been going really well we're lucky to have her here in nashville so without any further ado let's get right into it uh, an interview with manager here at zany's in nashville lucy sinsheimer <laughs> Well, how's it going, Lucy? It's good. I'm good. I'm. T- I have coffee. Uh, I'm gonna. After that tragic loss of the Preds last oh, night, did you watch it? I did watch it. I went out to a like a concert venue that opened up the venue uh, to watch the game, and uh, it was pretty depressing. It was very depressing. <laughs> you know, it, it, it was depressing, but it was like at least it was a fun game and not a you know blowout. Yeah, the whole time I'm watching it, it's like the the energy was great, and we had like ten breakaways. It seemed like where yeah. we were one on with the goalie, and they just couldn't put it in. I said, "Well, it's not our night, but at least it's not much of their night either." Right. Then, at least we didn't like go down in an embarrassing way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely stayed out till a little bit past the game was over. Yeah, and those are long games. They are, and it's like. I know nothing about hockey, so half of the game is me turning to somebody and being <laughs> like, hey, can you explain what just happened? Because I at least want to learn from watching it. Yeah, well, I learned last night that you can the referee blows the whistle when he can't see the puck anymore. Yeah, that's crazy. That whole I, – I was I did not understand that entire situation whatsoever. I mean, it must be to protect the goalie. Like, if the goalie was sitting on the puck, they just can't yeah. beat the crap out of him until the puck magically Goes appears. In. But still – a millisecond later, and we've been up one nothing. Yeah, early. it it felt like we like something was went wrong. Like that couldn't have been possibly been fair. But I mean, I'm not gonna spend the whole day being upset about yeah. it. I am. <laughs> the silver lining is Nate Bargetzi's here on uh, Wednesday, so he's not up against the finals. <laughs> oh, that would be horrible. Which, like, the whole he's from Nashville, so the whole week he was like, "Is there any way if we make it, like, could we move it? Would we want to do it after the game?" And I was like, "Well, if you hold it till after the game, it could end up being that right. we lose, and then you've got a whole depressed crowd. You know, at least now we've got a grace period for everybody to recover and want to laugh at his show." That's true. I remember. Th- 
I, I started in Columbus, Ohio. So the oh, Ohio really? State Buckeyes, it's like the biggest football. There's like yeah, four Ohio super, like goes hard for they sports. They go crazy. Yeah. And so I was booked the weekend that they were playing Michigan, who's their biggest rival. They're oh, not even gosh. allowed to say Michigan. Yeah. They call them the team up north. <laughs> and they had lost that year. And then we had three shows that Saturday night. Oh, no. Was, was everybody just... You could just tell people walking in with their heads low. Like, they, they knew they needed a laugh, but they weren't ready to. Was it at least the day after? No. It no, it was three right hours after? later. Oh, see, Less than three hours that's, later. That's hard. So we just had the, the house announcer say, listen, whatever happened earlier <laughs> is done. Leave it at the door. None of the comics are here from that state up north. In fact, you're headliners from right here so let's not take it out on him it was yeah. really nice but it was you could just tell and that's bad energy to be around i feel like everybody had every comic has that one story like of them having to perform this is a even worse scenario when they have to perform while the game is on oh, yeah. in the city that the game is taking place like in some like bar or like casino and the game's just playing in the in the other room that's like the true like you know somebody's a road dog when they right. have that story about having to go up against the game but i remember uh working with Stephen wright oh gosh it that's was, awesome uh, oh he's one of my favorites in fact i, Me too. I, I got the gig like t- 24 hours before the gig happened like mm-hmm. s- somebody must have fallen out they yeah. need an opener and i'm like man this is interesting he's a big boston red sox fan sure. and boston is in the World Series, mm-hmm. and we're doing this show, and it's going to be same during night. the same. Oh gosh! And so when I got there, <laughs> he goes, "Listen, uh, not ideal, but uh, could you just check the score? And if we're up, <laughs> every time I look over, just give me a thumbs up. If we're down, give me a thumbs down." <laughs> That's awesome. And so I literally, I had the guy had a TV in the back, a little black and white TV with the game mm-hmm. on, and I was standing in the corner, just kind of giving the thumbs up or thumbs down, you know. <laughs> did they end up winning? They did. Oh, perfect. Yeah, and he got so to watch the last two So you got to have that opportunity to, to feed the score to Stephen Wright. Yeah, it was pretty cool. That's awesome. When uh, when you first, I mean, when you were growing up and you first yeah. started figuring about comedy, who was some of the people you looked up to? Like, you're like, wow, it's a... It's funny because, right, with what's going on in the world right now, I feel like this person has so much negative press, but the first stand-up comedy show I ever went to was Kathy Griffin. Okay. So I was, uh, I want to say a freshman in high school, and it was right around the time, like, reality shows were, like, the, the cool mm-hmm. thing going on on TV, like, the real world, like, the real housewives, like, was in, like, the first season... That website, PerezHilton.com, like everybody in high school would like get through like the blockers that they'd put out to like read the celebrity gossip. And she had all these specials out on Bravo. And I was like really into theater in high school. So Bravo theater, it all kind of tied in. So I watched that network all the time and I'd always see her specials on. And um, she came out with an autobiography and I loved it, and I was super into, like, Chelsea lately was kind mm-hmm. of a big thing. I, I didn't really pay attention to Chelsea's stand-up, but, like, the people that were coming out from her show I liked. And so they came. she came out with this autobiography, and the bookstore near my house was having a book signing. Um, but the show in Charlotte, where I grew up, had sold out. But she had a show in Durham, so we went to the book signing in Charlotte and then drove, like, three and a half hours to her show in Durham at like the Performing Arts Center and it was me and my two um, no it was me and my best friend and her older sister and her mom and we all drove to Durham together for the show and that was the first like real stand-up comedy show I went to but from there most venues are 18 and up at least so that was it took probably four or five years for me to see a stand-up show live again but but because I saw her live and I enjoyed it so much, I started watching more comedy. And then in, in college, like podcasts became a big thing. So I started listening to a lot of podcasts and Netflix came out. So I started watching a lot of specials on Netflix. But I'd say like seeing Kathy Griffin live was really like the first intro for me into stand up. That's cool. And did yeah. you said your friend's mom came along? Did she, oh, yeah. Did she you play well to, to all? I guess you did, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. And did her mom laugh and find like? Oh, her mom. Her mom. She, her family was like my second family, and her mom was that mom that would like stay up like later than us, which was right. always super weird. Like <laughs> right. my parents always went to bed really early, but yeah. her mom was like always up watching like E. So she was like super into that kind of stuff already. She was really into like the celebrity gossip, and I'd say. 85% of Kathy Griffin's show is right. celeb- like making fun of celebrities. Um, and then my, my first club show was uh, I was home from college. I think I was like a freshman, and I just wanted to see a show. Uh-huh. 
Uh, so I looked up the schedule for the Comedy Zone, and I went and saw Jay Farrow, oh, that's cool. who now I've worked with like five or six times, and he's such an awesome guy and super, super funny. That's cool. Um, when, when you were in college, did you get on like the Student Board of Governors Planning Committee for events or anything like that, or no, how did you get into this? Pretty, I was pretty like lazy in college. <laughs> like I didn't really, I, I didn't like school at all, like because I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. Um, and then I like got really into watching stand-up probably like freshman sophomore year and i just kept watching stand-up i kept watching stand-up i fell in love with all these comics like bill burr and Mm -hmm. uh tom segura and guys like that um that are just like real stand-up comedians like i think tom segura is one of like the few stand-up comedians left that's like just getting famous from doing stand-up purely yeah not uh, not using it as a platform to launch into yeah. movies and everything yeah else. um and bill burr is kind of like that too i mean he's got tv but i feel like he's mostly famous mm-hmm. for stand-up um so i kept watching all this comedy and i kept thinking to myself like i don't i don't necessarily see myself doing it um not because i have stage fright or anything i just like i wanted to do something like in business mm-hmm. um and i, I was like well, you know there's so many comedy clubs i don't know anything about comedy clubs but it's like if you go on Google and like Google like how to get in the comedy business, like there's no like guide for it. Like there's no like comedy business for dummies. Like it's <laughs> right. not it's not like a an industry that I feel like a lot of people outside of those that are already in it know much about. Yeah. Um so I remember I like my dad is very much into like helping people figure out what they want to do with their lives, which I'm so grateful for. Um like, he's always been the guy that, like, my, my brother and I will, like, send friends to that are interested in business. He's just, like, an entrepreneur. And so I remember, like, we were having a conversation, and he was like, well, what do you, like, think you could do in comedy? And I was like, well, d- let's try and, like, go to the drawing board. Like, who do we know that might know something about it? And he had this friend who just, like, vaguely knew the owner of the Comedy Zone, and he sent us, he sent me his contact information and I like, uh, pretty much like a c- comedian just kept bugging this guy. <laughs> I kept calling him and emailing him and being like, just sit down with me for five minutes. And, uh, finally he was just like, all right, like just meet me. Uh, c- so the comedy zone in Charlotte's like the, in a basement right, right. of, with the restaurant on top. So I met him in that restaurant and he, I just, he just kind of came at me like, why do you want to, why? Like, why do you want to be in this business? And I just remember I just like fired stuff back at him and he was like, all right, you're hired. Like, you're persistent enough that I know you're serious about this. So I got hired as like an intern. That's Like cool. for the summer between my uh, junior and senior years of college. And I just like filed and like scanned things uh-huh. and all that stuff. But, uh, and then at night I, they'd pay me to like be a hostess. So I could make a little money. Right. Um, but I remember he, his name's Hef, and he's like my greatest mentor in this business uh, to this day. But he let me sit in on a couple of like booking meetings um, where they would, the agents would pitch acts. And I just kept telling everybody what everybody was from. Because at that time I was just watching everything any comedian was doing and and listening to every podcast and i wish i still had time to do stuff like that yeah. <laughs> but unfortunately when you actually get, you get a job the in the business <laughs> it's hard to keep up as much <laughs> but um but brian and andrew dorfman who own this club happened to be at one of those booking meetings and they happened to like that i i knew what was going on in contemporary comedy and and pretty much right out of college i got hired here which is like such i'm so lucky because half of my friends that uh, graduated are still you know living in their parents basements right you know (laughs) there's there's the job market is really hard right now so i feel very lucky that i get to do what i wanted to do that's pretty awesome for a long time yeah no doubt about it it's one of those things you were looking for it you're working towards it you got it you're like boom in that i was curious in that year that the junior so the junior between junior and seniors when you got the when you went back to your senior year, did mm-hmm. you switch any of your class load, like any business stuff come into play? That well, you I was already a business major, Perfect. so it was – and to be honest with you, and I hate to, like, discourage anybody from whatever path they're taking in school, but I don't really utilize most of what I learned in school. Like, most of what I do for my job, I had to learn once mm-hmm. I started here. Because like, it's so specific. Yeah, it's so specific, and I, th- I 
feel like a lot of jobs are like that now. And 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 college did teach me like structure and showing up on time and going to class and being responsible. But when it comes to like things that I utilize that I learned from my classes, it's slim to none. Most of the things I know from comedy are from living breathing working 24 hours in comedy what's been the biggest surprise like you know even after you've been in it for a while what what are some things that still surprise you like man i didn't know how this be part of my job um i learned a lot about social media my first year here because social media is definitely i mean and i i think that now it's being taught more in college but when i was there like i wasn't taught much about it at all and like I don't do graphic design myself, but it's something I so wish that I had done because it could I, it could be so much more of my job, uh-huh. but I have to kind of outsource that to other people because I don't have those skills. Um, but yeah, social media was a big surprise. Like it plays such a huge part in in selling tickets and uh, as a comedian in gathering a fan base. Mm-hmm. Like that's a big thing I didn't think of, and and like just general like organization because you look at comedy and it you just think funny 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 all the time like it's like i so many people when i tell them what they're what i do they're just like oh that must be so much fun like you must just have fun being around comedians all the time and i'm like yeah but there's also (laughs) so much organization that goes into like coordinating a weekend right because i do all the like talent coordination so from the moment our headliners come into town like their hotel their ground transportation, everything in their rider. So it's like you have to learn how to keep everything organized, which was a big uh, adjustment for me because I'm not the most organized person in the world. Yeah, that can be tricky. And everybody's different every single yeah. week, so they've got different demands, oh, different totally. hotels, different everything. And for the most part, people are really mm. laid back, but there's still like things you have to remember for their show. Like some people have to have certain things for their show, like – um, like Steve-O like he does some stunts on stage and you have to get a couple of different things and it's like if you forget one thing yeah you could mess up his show potentially that's crazy and it, as far as um, the social media stuff mm-hmm. just just I know everything's different sure but if uh, say you need to run social media to get ticket sales going for a comedian how yeah. far back like how many weeks is ideal to start to get that push going I mean, it really, it depends from act to act, but I mean, as soon as you can get something made, it's best to just mm-hmm. get it made and put it out there. And then you can, say, put like $20 behind it the first week, a month out, and then see how that, track how that's going. And then if it's going really well, stick another 50 bucks on it, you know, and then mm-hmm. just keep upping that until, you know, you really can see uh, that you're maximizing on it. Um, and is Facebook the best so far for you? For advertising, yes. Um, I mean, there's always those, like, um, specific internet sensation acts that maybe Twitter is where they got their right, following. Right. So that would work more for that artist. But I'd say Facebook is probably the most important because you have the mo- the most that you can do. And like, yeah. you can make, like, a video ad for Facebook you're not going to be able to make a video ad for Twitter. Right. That kind of thing. And the targeting is just so much oh, more rich. Oh, yeah, the rich. targeting I mean, is definitely... It's amazing. The, I had no idea. just people who live on that street. Yeah, I had no idea what you could do in terms of geo-targeting and targeting until I s- started working here. And have you guys done anything yet where they... I don't know what the exact term is it mm-hmm. for it, but like... In, in the geo sense where you almost build a wall around a certain America. Oh, yeah. So when people... Like people, once they get halfway up 8th Avenue... If they're on Facebook, an ad can pop up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We do lots of geo-targeting. That's cool. When you um, started working here, mm-hmm. now, you, you did work over at Comedy Zone. How long did you do that before you came to a Nashville? A summer. Just a summer. Yeah, just that summer between junior and senior year of college. So it was during that pitch meeting, you mm-hmm. were still an intern at Brian and Andrews? That they, yeah, kind of got to know me, and then I stayed in touch with Hef for a while. Uh, we still stay in touch. Um and I was basically like, I really need to find a job in this business. Do you have anything? And he was like, well, I don't necessarily, but these two guys in Nashville, yeah. you know, why don't you hit them up and get, get have a meeting with them? And then I, you know, drove up here, met with them. It went great. And they hired me. It was pretty, it, it's like literally like a dream scenario. But I also did have to when I was originally trying to get that internship, wear somebody down until, uh, you yeah. know, they, they would meet with me. 
and listen to me and then I got to learn from that and then I got to come here and now I've been here uh, August 1st it'll be three years wow already huh yeah and now I have both clubs so that's been a nice yeah let's talk uh, about transition uh, uh, Huntsville for a little bit so describe the club and what's going on down there in the so the club's been open since January um it's definitely a different setup than Zany's, obviously, because we've been open 35 years versus being open six months. Right. Um, it's not two stories, so it's kind of, it's it got like a basic improv layout. If you've ever mm-hmm. been to any of the improvs, it kind of looks just like that. Um, and it's it's different in that it's almost like a, like a, they like to say dinner theater, like they have um, incredible food The there. meal's a bigger part. Yeah. Um, but it being a club belong like with within the Dorfman family, nobody cares about comedy more than those two guys. Yeah. Um, I mean, they truly, truly, truly care about comedy. So the food is never going to get in, in the way of the performance. Right. But I would say it's kind of almost a like upscale experience. Um, and it's been going really well. I will say the thing about Huntsville that I think is incredible is. I've never seen audiences like the audiences there. They're so hungry Uh for comedy. Not that people in Nashville aren't, but there's a, there's this energy there that I've never experienced in a club before where it's, they've never had anything like this before. Huntsville. I mean, most bars there close pretty early. There's not even really a big concert venue. There's this, a place called the Von Braun center, but that's probably it in terms of, big venues so there's just not a whole lot of entertainment options so when they're in that club they're so they're eating up every single word the comedian says so when you're killing it's even another level of killing than i've seen here oh, that's it's, cool i think it's like, probably just because of the competition of there's a million venues there's a million in, venues Nashville. in town and and we've been open so long that people have come to see comedy enough times where People have forgotten they've seen shows at Zany's. They've been so many times. They've been so many (laughs) times. So, yes, there's still the magic of it being Zany's, and it's it's this incredible venue with an incredible reputation. But it's not brand new. Like, people have seen it before. Whereas, like, I went to see Sinbad in Huntsville, and... I bet that was crazy. It was insane. I mean... He he finished his set and immediately people standing ovation. Everybody in the room. That is pretty awesome. It's it's definitely it's like it, there's a <coughs> magical quality to this being a brand new comedy club in a town that's hungry for entertainment that's growing. It's set to be the biggest city in Alabama in the next like five to ten years. Yeah. And there's also NASA there, so it's a smart town. It's a uh, it's been really cool, and I got to be there you know since day one so i went down and opened the club with everybody and stayed down there for two weeks helping train the staff and there's something to be said about uh, a staff of people that are just so excited for a comedy club like they want to help with everything they're when the shows are sold out like they're so excited like they're not there's nobody jaded on that staff which is really cool too that's pretty cool yeah the um, it's awesome. Yeah, I need to get down there and check that club out. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Huntsville's always been a, the comedy shows they've had there have always been good. There's oh, yeah. a good local scene, but now they've got the official venue and. You know. Yeah, there's a good there's a good local scene, and they produce good shows. But they're also like really pumped about the club, so they like come out and support all the shows, and and they're really really excited. It's I find that um, comedians that haven't had a club yet like they struggle with like structure and, and, and working their way up. And now I'm really excited that there's a club there to like kind of guide them. That's pretty awesome. Teach them. When, uh, back to Zany's here yeah, sure. for, let's, let's focus on like the, the new comics for a second. Yeah. I'd love I, to. I, I know one of my favorite things to talk about. I so. know. And you're so good with the comics here. <laughs> and even when I've had my graduation shows here, you've come back and kind of given them a little, yeah. you know, in a nutshell, how you can move on from this night and all that stuff. So for comics anywhere they might be, describe, I just want them to know like your side of your job day to day, what the sure. amount of communication that comes in. Cause I've, from, I've, from, from new comedians. comedians and sure. just so they can, can put their call in perspective with the other thousands <laughs> that just keep coming in. Yeah, I get, I mean, I get every day from comedians wanting to showcase, comedians wanting to host, comedians wanting to feature, comedians wanting to headline. I mean, I get all of them constantly um i'd say 
my advice is if you're brand new and you've never done stand-up before, A, take Rick's class. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Here's, the, here's the five bucks. Um, <laughs> but it's so important to me to get on, to, to open mics are so such a necessary thing. And every time anybody emails me, I've never done stand-up before, I really want to get on, on stage at Zany's, it's A, you could take a comedy class, and B, open mics. Like, you can't just jump onto the stage right. with no structure. And and P- I can't tell you how many times people want to fight me on that. I can believe it. I don't have time to do open mics. I don't have time to do this. I just want to do a show at Zany's. I'll bring 500 people, right. et cetera, et cetera. And I try to... <laughs> This sounds like a pretentious comparison, but I always try to say this. If you picked up a guitar for the first time, had never played the guitar, would you call the Ryman and ask if you could go on stage? Right. No, I think it's Probably a fair comparison. Probably not. So, so it's like, why, why are we like belittling comedy to this point where it's like, well, I've never been on stage, but I need to get on stage at Zany's first. Yeah. Well, let's say something about how... On the flip side of that, yeah. comics that make it look easy yeah. have made these people think it is easy. And they don't realize yeah. that... That those people did the open Did all mics. that stuff. I mean, I get even from... You know, I get some random emails and people even take my class like, you know, what's the best open mic in town? I'm like, the next one. Yeah. And the next one. Even if there's three people there, even if they're all comics. Because yeah. you need to hear that come out of your mouth. You need hundreds and hundreds of reps to yeah. come. And I always say, don't even think about zanies until... Yeah. You're blowing out the open mic yeah. constantly, and you're getting on some of these local book shows. That's when you want to come over here. Now, I'm yeah. correct in saying that, right? I'm not a hundred percent. And it, and no, I feel better that you do say that because I f- I wonder where people get the idea that it's just like you just get on stage at Zanies. But like, there's the Nashville scene has grown so exponentially, and I'm sure you could speak to that too. Where to the point where we have multiple open mics almost every night, and once you start doing those every week. It, I mean, you'll get onto book shows. Mm-hmm. And I also am one of the few bookers. I go to the open mics because I want to be fair and I want to see people that are working hard and I want to watch people get better that won't necessarily get on a book show right away. And um, so I'm. it's not like I'm not paying any attention or it's not like I'm like just trying to get people to stop emailing me. Like no, that's what I like. When I tell people they're to do open mics, like, I'll go watch you. If you tell me, hey, I'm going to do this show and I've been working on some new stuff and I really want you to come pay attention, then I'll come by and I'll watch it. Like, I'm not f- just saying that stuff to get people to stop emailing no, me. No, I think it's what's great is even like the Broken Records show, two in the morning or something, yeah. here in walks Lucy. Yeah. And she's paying attention and she's sitting down and, you know, wherever it might be. You, you truly love comedy and, and you really love comics that are going after it and doing yeah. it. Yeah. And, you know, it has to be the, the whole thing. You know, they can't just be super nice people and not funny. You're going to yeah. bring people in here and put them up uh, who deserve it. But you also are out there proactively, you know, seeing who's hustling, you know. Yeah, and the thing is, like, you don't have to be the best new person. You don't have to be in the top five. If I see that you're out at open mics every single night working really hard, I'll give you a shot. Like, I'm not unreasonable. Um, it's just there's so many people that will freak out about not getting on Zany's mm. stage right away and just will completely but I'm like what, what, what have you been doing right because there's so many comedians now um, com- I feel like compared now more than ever there's so, so many too. people trying to do comedy that it's like it's always nobody grown. gets to yeah. skip the steps no, there, there's, <laughs> there's no reason to there isn't and in fact if you don't enjoy that process and I hate sound like a coach oh, no, or something so but true. The grind of it, when I first started, you know, I'm sure every new comic who sticks with it, you start to find the joy and the, the small successes. Yeah. The three-hour drive back home after a bad set. Yeah. You learn more from that bad set than you oh, do yeah. from people giving you, you know, what you think you deserve. And just all the friendships you make. Like, mm-hmm. and I, I hate to say this because it sounds like I'm downplaying the military, but it's almost like when two comics walk in a room. Yeah. You can say, you're a comedian? How long have you been doing it? 15 years? You've got yeah. mutual respect. Even if you've never seen that person's act or you don't even like them off stage, you've got that shared experience where you're like, oh, you've been through some stuff. So, Oh, yeah. I'll everybody, ha- Every comic, I feel like, has that connection. And I've heard so many stories about so-and-so playing one club in that city and there's two clubs in the city and then they met up afterwards right. to hang out even though they barely knew each other because they s- both have that connection of being a comic that nobody else has. Yeah, and they know, I mean, it's less than a half step away from mutual friends and yeah. crazy stories about those people and all that. Yeah. 
That's pretty cool. When so you, you you get the calls throughout the day. Yeah. Um, Luckily now more emails. Than more calls emails. Than <laughs> yeah. I, you know. Well, that's that's good and bad. Good because and bad. In yes. the old days, they could only ring the phone and you could walk away from that. But now. Well, and now I have. You're Facebook. on Facebook and stuff too. I won't <laughs> give out your information. But oh, they, it's fine. I mean, it down, I'm so used to it at this point. It's just like when people, it drives me nuts when people I've never met will message me on Facebook and I'm like, all right, I have an email address. Please just send right. that there. Um, to speak more to the day to day, so I get a lot of emails for showcase, for MC, a lot for feature, and there's not that much stage time. Now, thankfully, there's more with there being two clubs. But with how the business has changed, um, most comics are bringing their own feature now. Yep. So the only fe- real feature dates I have are fallouts. So every once in a while, I'll get people who get really upset because I'll be like, I'm looking, and they'll be like, well, I email you know, my avails every two weeks, and I know... And I'm like, man, if I had a date to give you, I would. Right. But everybody brings their own feature now, unfortunately. And I think that's affected a lot of people. Um, in some ways bad, in some ways good. Um, like we said before, comedians have a connection. So if you have a, a younger guy that you have a connection with that you really want to help out, and you have the opportunity to bring that person on the road, then you're going to bring that person on the road. Yeah. You know? And I can't, I can't, you know, get angry at somebody for doing that because... Being on the road is a grind, and to have a friend with you is an awesome situation to be in. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, for the young comics that aren't necessarily located in New York or L.A., that kind of cuts back on their work, which is a bummer. So it's like... You just got to work harder. Yeah. You know, I guess the good thing is there, there are more shows. And there's more ways to yes. get stage time. Mm-hmm. You know, back when I... St- I'm not that old, but back when <laughs> back when I started, you back would in the day. you would never have a comic roll in a town and and book their own venue and get their yeah. followers. I mean, it wasn't possible back then. Yeah, but now it's happening all the time. But now, yeah, if you're if you're hustling and you're doing right things and you're promoting yourself enough, I mean, you've got a lot more competition now. Yeah. But the cream always rises to the top. So if you're doing the right yeah. things, you'll eventually get your people. Uh, part of that's finding your voice and sticking with it, so your people mm-hmm. can stick with you. What, what advice do you have for young comics when they're trying? Because I get this question a lot, sure. and to me, it's always—it's just a matter of time. But you know, they're trying to find their voice, mm-hmm. like in their first year, even. It's like yeah, that first year is is the hardest because you're course. really trying on a lot of different voices. Really. Yeah, you're, you first you go through like I don't your think idols. You probably find your voice for I mean, what would you say? Every, like well, Seinfeld is like seven years in. Yeah. I think it depends on how many shows you do sure. and how much you're paying attention to the response in those shows. But I don't even think you should worry about that initially. If you stumble on something early and you're like, this is what I should be writing for, yeah. that's great. But I think you have to kind of go through the joke writing process. Yeah, your first a, year should be so f- – I have so many people that get come to me and get upset because they feel like they're not getting booked on enough shows. And it's like – that people that are a year to two years in and it's like your focus should not be – what who shows you're doing your focus should be on writing yep. and it should be on going to open mics and it should be i i've had people say like i don't think my jokes are working anymore because uh everybody here has heard them and it's like well then maybe you should be not necessarily scrapping all those and starting new but go back to them punch them up maybe sit down with some comedian friends that you have and work on them together by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. A lot right. of people, we tried to do a um, writer's workshop here for a while and people would get like nervous that that was stealing and that's not stealing. Every, I feel like lots of comedians do that. You're you're it's helping true. each other come up with tags and people are, are working on your tags with you and that's perfectly fine. But yeah, your first year should not be about what shows you're getting put on. Um, it should 100% be on punching up your jokes, mm-hmm. working on your jokes, scrapping that, starting this. It, people get so caught up on, on what shows they're doing and not focused enough on writing their jokes. And if you focus on writing your jokes more and more and going up at mics more and more, I feel like eventually you'll find that Everything voice. happens. But it doesn't ha- it ha- finding that voice has nothing to do with what shows you're booked on. Right. Yeah, and I think we we both like Brian Bates. He's a hard-working oh, yeah. joke. Oh, yeah, love Bates. And there's a guy who, he he writes so much that yeah. it can't help but get funny because he's, he's writing it. I mean, yeah. I think he's written 25 minutes this year already. Yeah, he, this past year, has, like, so impressed me and gone above and beyond. Uh, I just saw him do a set, I want to say, last week here, and it was, like, 
the best that I've ever seen him do, and it was so much new material. That's awesome. Yeah, and he's one of those people who's not afraid to try something new on this stage, which so many people get scared to try new stuff on the zany stage. Yeah, let me ask you about that because you've got a unique perspective. Once, sure. I mean, once the comics proven themselves enough to get on stage a few times here, you would, I'd imagine rather see them working some new material in yeah especially for an mc i feel like an mc could totally work on new material um and a feature too it's maybe a showcase spot when you first start coming like i'd say do your best right you know seven to ten the first couple of times but i could i couldn't care less if people try new stuff on that stage especially if they're somebody local who's a feature maybe you know other at mm-hmm. other clubs but we'll do an mc week here like uh there's a comic named hannah hogan i yeah. don't know if you know her uh she did like a month residency and from that beginning weekend to the last weekend like totally like punched everything up and yeah. it was like awesome to watch that set kind of evolve over the whole month so like yeah i have i think there's no problem in trying out new material here especially if you're somebody who's on the road and uh this is your home club and you really want to like work some new stuff you're yeah, excited you about be doing your road show on yeah. at home yeah that's cool I'm, let me ask you this too with the um where do you see whether it's the feature or, or mc mm-hmm. like I'm a real like servant type person like mm-hmm. I think you should serve the audience not pander to them or sure. give them like eat, well you know. it's that's the job you signed up for right is so to make the audience happy <laughs> yeah so like what do you look for I mean I know kind of the general answers but it's, mm-hmm. I think it's good for people to hear from you too sure in your opening acts that would give them more work over somebody that didn't have these features a lot of the work that um you get you will get here is mc work since so many people are bringing their own features and i think uh, i've had this conversation with andrew a lot um mc is the mc is kind of a dying art form which is really sad and a lot of people go up on stage and just want to blow through the announcements and get right to their material or get right to their material and then leave the announcements to the end and it's important to remember that as an mc it's your job to a warm up the crowd and b do the club's business um, not saying that you can't do material, but to me, the MCs that get the most work here are the ones that have the ability to work the announcements into their material right. and that go out there and, and get the crowd excited, find out who's celebrating something, make them feel special, warm them up, and then you know rem- keep in mind that they're here to see the headliner too so it's 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 not really all about you as an MC. and i see so many comics get so excited to get work and forget about everything else right. <laughs> and then end up you know pissing off the club because hey you didn't tell them to fill out their their common cards or you didn't tell them about the upcoming acts and there's a really cool way to do that and also do your material and i it's so hard for people to understand that like we only have maybe four or five people who i think really do a good job at doing that um which is something i feel like i I like eventually want to hold a workshop for because it is hard to learn that just without anybody really sitting down with you and telling you that and it would yeah it would be tricky for people are just doing spots on other open mics to pop in and have that skill set already i always think those any open mic that's not here should be rotating their MCs and letting them get that experience. And, and a lot of the time, mm-hmm. the open mics around here do ro- rotate MCs. At least they have in the past year learned that mm-hmm. that's a good idea to do that. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I always, it's always been said. <coughs> I've always heard you know the MC works for the club. Yeah. Feature act works for the headliner. The headliner works for the crowd. Like it's all kind of like, <laughs> we, like you've got your own quote. little target audience. And if you if you remember that, then you'll move up accordingly yeah. when you get time. But that's great that you. Kind of reinforced what I've said before, but in a different way. And also, people forget that even if it's not necessarily asked of you to be clean as an MC, you should be clean as an MC because if your feature's clean or your headliner's clean and you're super dirty, it is so hard to follow that. And it's there's like it it's disrespectful. And and I'm not the type of person that likes to censor anybody, but you should be able to do a clean set always. Right. In general, I mean, you don't have to be a clean comedian, but you should be able to do a clean set. That's an important thing to remember, especially if you want to get on the road. Because I'd say we're pretty lenient, but a lot of clubs aren't. Yeah, no, I I, I always preach too that if 
even a dirty headliner would prefer a clean MC because that yeah. stuff's going to pop more. I mean, and no matter what kind of comedy you do, I mean, Jim Norton has to have a Letterman set or a, yeah. a late night set that he can do. Yeah. So there's ways to craft your material in a way you can still be as edgy as you want. Yeah. And not dirty at all. So it's just a, a tool, one more tool in your belt that some comics kind of skip. Yeah, or they get upset about it, and it's like, there's no reason to get upset. Like, you're going to need to have this if you want to go far in the business. Like yeah. you said, every comic that wants to be a comic wants to be on late night. If you want to be on late night, you better have a clean set, because you won't be able to do a dirty set whatsoever. Yeah. So um, that's another important thing. Um how, impo- how important is their social media presence? I mean, it's got to be important for headliners. That's so funny. Right? I put on my Facebook, like, what questions does anybody have? And somebody asked me how important is social well, let's, media. Well, let's find out. Um, when you're starting, I mean, it's not crazy important. Right. Your first year in, I mean, I guess just promoting your shows. But also, like, some people, like, are posting, like, about their shows every single day when they're a year in. And it's like, somebody told me a funny story, like, about how they kept seeing all these new comics posting all their shows all the time, just being like, man, I'm so glad social media wasn't a thing my first <laughs> right year now. in because I'm so glad none of my friends came yep. to see me because now that I look back on me a year in, I would never have wanted them to come to my show. But, um, I mean, it is good to bring people out no matter how far in you are, but I feel like the people that are, and maybe it's because they're the more excited comics but the people who are brand new now are promoting their shows way better than the people i know that are like five to ten years in uh-huh. do you think um, part of that's an age thing too like older folks are you know yeah standoffish yeah um i mean i guess it depends on where you are in your career too but there are so many funny people i know who i'm like oh you should you should do more social media um but they're not into it i mean and they don't realize too that just doing some funny yeah. fun it doesn't have to be their stand up on social media. No, it, it doesn't. Just showing your personality and getting your tribe c- connected to you is important as yeah, much as Yeah, I remember else. uh my boyfriend's a comic and he made a he made a website recently and he made he designed it to look like an old MySpace page. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, th- I love stuff like that, like a weird like fun way uh-huh. to use social media or web design. Like that's something unique that like I I remembered and then he made like a a blog post on it that was super funny and I was like oh that's really cool like I haven't seen a lot of people do things like that so I feel like it's trying to like tap into a creative way to use it too because so many people just tweet or just post about their shows over and over again but like why not try and do something different um video platforms are big right now if you have that skill and and can make short funny videos and post them I mean I feel like why why wouldn't you? Right. Um, Who are some of the comics that through that come through here that you like that do a great job on social media? Just so I can point some people to some examples. Mm. Burt Kreischer. Okay. Yep. He does an awesome job. Uh, I was just listening to his podcast yesterday. He does like every single day. He does minute Instagram videos, and then he films all of his podcasts. And he does like a lot of just like weird like promo videos with his daughters, like of him like jumping in the pool. Like they're all just like weird and hilarious and like they're how he promotes his shows so like say he did wild west comedy fest so he would do like a video in his backyard like of him in a cowboy hat or something i mean i don't think he did that but that's an example of the type of stuff that he does yeah he's really really good on social media awesome um what is something that you wish you would have known about the comedy business before you got into it not necessarily a regret but just something like oh that would have been helpful i wish i would have known the like extent of people that were gonna ask me for stage time (laughs) (laughs) and i wish that somebody had sat me down and gave me a good like crash course on how to respond to things but i'm also glad that i've been in it like four three four years now and i've i respond to everybody um a lot of bookers i know don't um but i i like to i mean i'm sure i've missed a ton of emails before but i try to respond to as many as possible and i try to give constructive advice and um i wish i i knew that sometimes people weren't going to like that uh because when i first started i mean i'm 25 now so i started like 22 21 22 
Uh, and three, four years ago, I was pretty sensitive. So to have somebody lash back out at me for not necessarily giving them right. stage time used to be something that hurt my feelings. Now, I mean, I've never responded in a way that I know that I deserved an angry response. So it's like when I think about it like that, I'm like, you know what? That person has their own issues and they're taking that out on me and this is their dream and I didn't give them an answer that they wanted. So that's why they're upset. But it was hard to figure that kind of stuff out on my own because there really is not, I mean, I have great, great, great mentors that have been really helpful, but there's still not like a how to and it's the same for comedy there's not really a how to on how to do stand up so i always try to remember that yeah that people are a finding lot of their people way are going in blind and they really do think that the people that are on stage just one day called the club and the club was like oh sure you can headline like people actually think that that's how it works so it's not them necessarily being a jerk it's just that we're all trying to figure it out yeah that's fair i think it's fair can you name a comic who doesn't necessarily make you laugh but you totally respect their business and their following and everything else. I would say the majority of these guys that are coming out, I'm not going to name names, but these guys that are coming out um, from YouTube and social media, like I don't get it because that's not what I grew up with. And I don't necessarily think it's funny, but I do appreciate the fact that they're coming out with content every single day. Mm -hmm. And it's content that a lot of the general public loves and um, a lot of them didn't start off as stand-ups, but they're now trying their hardest and writing, and and the crowds really enjoy their shows. So uh, there's there's a hustle there that I really appreciate, but do I don't necessarily find the majority of them to be funny, especially the ones that didn't start off as stand-up comics. Right. Do you find it hard to turn off your work and have your personal life? Oh yeah. That's probably the biggest challenge um, for me right now Um, because having the cell phone, having my email attached to it, having Facebook where a lot of people will hit me up for dates on Facebook, not date dates, but but like for dates at the club. And and I like find it very hard to not respond right away. I don't know. I was having this conversation with Brian. He was like, you always respond to my emails the second I send them into other people's emails right away. And I'm like, yeah, that's just what well, I grew up in the age of cell phones. Like I just, I get anxiety if I don't respond right away. So it's like, I could be out with my boyfriend at dinner and somebody could call me or email me or text me. And like most of the time I will pick that up because I'm, I'm also like in charge of ev- coordinating everything. Mm-hmm. So I'm always paranoid that, you know, somebody's hotel wasn't up to their standards or something, this right. or that. So it's like, I kind of have to be on call. Uh, so yeah, it's definitely really hard. And and the only people I really know are comedians or people in the comedy business or people that work at the club because I don't have a whole lot of time to go out and do anything else. Do you kind of regret that or you wish you had um, a civilian boyfriend or something that, <laughs> you know, that took you out of the Luckily, zone a little bit? Uh, and anybody, you'll, I don't know if you know my boyfriend, but anybody you'll ask, he's the nicest person uh. in the whole world and the least dramatic person and a very uh stable and uh not just nice guy and before we started dating i mean we kept things quiet for a while just because we were worried that people were gonna be upset or accuse me of giving him more stage time than someone else because we're dating but he's such a good guy and has such a good heart that like when we said told people no but like literally nobody, nobody cared yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like we i sat down with my bosses and i was like listen like if this is a thing like we can s- figure it out and they were like yeah no he's great like nobody's gonna be upset like everybody loves him um so i'm lucky in that aspect if if i was dating anybody else there would probably have been a lot more of an issue but i mean he's such a good guy and so kind to everybody and he's really really funny that helps that a lot nobody, <laughs> nobody was mad about it <laughs> Do you um do you have any specific comics that I'm sure there's probably a few sure. that came through the club to where you're like I can't believe we got this comic or I can't believe I'm sitting back here in the well, green room. Uh, I didn't sit back in the green room for this, but Chris Rock. I uh-huh. mean, it, that was crazy. I mean, Brian's been around since I think you we you said it earlier, like 1999. He's, he's, he's been, been here. running the club, yeah. and he's seen everything and he even was like this is the biggest thing that's ever happened at zany's um 
unfortunately, I only got to see two of the shows because I was training the staff in Huntsville. Um, but just to hear his name called and see him walk out to stage, it was like I, nothing I'd ever seen before. And then the night I went, Nate Bergazzi was opening for oh, him. That's perfect. So it was like even more special because Nate's been around since you know I started here, and he's always been such a nice and awesome guy. And to me, truly one of the funniest comedians working right now. Yeah. And I think he's about to just explode. Yeah, he's right on the edge for sure. Yeah, so that was really special. In terms of uh, people that I've seen that are my f- like became my favorite people, Dave Attell by far. Uh, I could talk about him for he's, an entire podcast episode. He is so episode. laid back and cool, isn't he? Uh, so laid back, so cool, such a joke writer, just like a classic. The funniest thing to me about Dave is he calls himself an old hack. He's like, ah, I'm just an old hack. I'm not one of these like cool storytellers. Yeah. But he, he's unbelievably funny. I mean, everything he says to me is it's so hilarious. very concise, and it has like layers to it. And it's just, uh, first time I worked with him was in Chattanooga at the Comedy Catch. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so did he we, bring candy for the staff? He did. Love it. And we did the, we did like the, I think he was there like Wednesday through Sunday. It was like, a, I thought this is kind of a long week, but he was mm-hmm. working something for a special or something. But after the Wednesday night show, he's like, so uh, what's there to do in Chattanooga? I'm like, we just did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. We went to like a Holiday Inn lounge and had a glass of wine or something. Yeah. Like, he's like, this is it. I'm like, eh, we, can, we can go see Ruby Falls tomorrow if you want. That's funny. But he was, yeah, such a nice guy in the car. And yeah, he has funny. been nicer to me than I've ever deserved. Uh He's just, we just like had like a cool connection. Like he kind of feels like a, like a older brother, father figure type whenever uh-huh. I'm talking to him and uh, had a blast here. And then I went up to New York and I texted him when I was there and we got to hang out, hang out at the comedy cellar. He made me sit at the comics table with him, which is like a huge no, no, awesome. if you're not a comedian. So, but nobody, t- nobody at the cellar tells Dave what to do. Yeah. He's the king of the comedy cellar, which I used to sneak into when I was, uh, I want to say, like, 18 or 19, I had a fake ID, and I used to sneak into the comedy cellar uh, when I was in college. That's uh, awesome. My family lives in New York, so I'd go visit them. And uh, that was really, really cool. Uh, and that venue, to me, is just, like, so historic. So uh, to be treated like uh, David Tell's friend there is really special. Um so yeah, he's definitely one of those guys that came through that I was just like instantly like, you're one of my favorite comedians ever. That's cool. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. What about anybody that's on your list that you haven't gotten here yet that you feel you're either close to or it's like one step away? Like, if um, I, can get this. I can't think of that like I think we're going to get in here, but I still have people on my list. Uh, Jim Jeffries I haven't uh-huh. seen, but I'm going to see him at the Ryman uh, in August. John Mulaney, I don't think. See, I don't think these guys do clubs anymore. But it's like maybe it, they'll pull Chris Rock, right? You know, in the next couple hey, of years. Chris Rock can do it. Come on, Mulaney. that's why it's like I guess anybody can. Yeah, I'd like. I'd, I'd love to see John Mulaney here. I, I mean, obviously, I'd love to see Dave Chappelle here. I mean, that would just I think be the biggest yeah. thing. I guess it would be on the same level as Chris Rock, but uh, Bill Burr. I feel like we could eventually get back in here. Uh, I just saw him at uh, Stand Up Live in Phoenix. And uh, that's a much bigger club than Zany's, like two times the size. But um, it was really excellent to see him in, in the a club. club. Yeah. Especially he had had his, uh, his baby like two weeks before. So he had like some fresh dad, yeah, <laughs> some so fresh some dad jokes. Probably had some of it on him. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, gosh, I mean, there's not, uh, those are the few people left that I think we, uh, I'd love to see, I'm like looking at this poster behind you. I'd Uh-oh, love to see Eugene Merman <laughs> in the club. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll go through the whole thing. Aziz Ansari, I don't think he'd ever do a club again. I don't think he, he's one of the few guys I don't think really ever did many comedy clubs. I think he kind of went straight to theaters. And there's very few people like that. Yeah. Um, but, it, I mean, we're so lucky. We get, like, Ralphie May once a month. We get Nate now once every yeah, couple months. Yeah, we got months. some local guys. That are and then Kathleen Madigan did her residency yeah, last year. Yeah, let's wrap up that talking about her for a second. Cause, uh, I, I, was, I love her so much. Yeah, every time she was here, I was gone. It bummed me out because I would have loved to come down and check it out. So she, she did, Brian Dorfman told me like she pretty much wrote her whole hour that year and was yeah. checking it out. So what was that like for you? Were you here most of the Wednesdays? Yeah, yeah. I mean, she really did write her hour here. And you would see her you know come out 
the first time and it was really raw and it was but she'd still crush but you could tell she was working on it and then she'd come back the next month and it was like a little tighter uh-huh. come back the next month tighter and then come back and then it was like perfection i mean she to me is is just one of the best of all time yeah she's she's a man she's a hard worker for sure great yeah. joke writer and good personality on stage great personality on like stage. she has that thing where guys want to hang out with her and girls yeah. are intimidated by her like that weird thing yeah you know which for comedy is a great thing yeah she's really such a good joke writer it's she makes me laugh and like it's hard i feel like especially for people that have been in the business longer for me like longer than me it's hard to make me like really really laugh because i see comedy every day but she's one of those people that just every time she's on stage, I'm on the floor laughing. She's, I love, I just love the way she writes. I love the way her stage presence, everything about it. And then lastly, mm-hmm. after all these years, do you have five minutes in the back of your mind if you needed to get up there <laughs> and do some time? I'm sure, I know you kind of write jokes. I was in here for one of the workshops and you yeah, were, you had some I good love lines. to help. I love to help, which I'm more of like an idea person. Like I can come up with a, pres- a premise. I'm, it's hard for me to come up with like a punchline. But you know what? If somebody had a gun to my head, I'm sure I could figure <laughs> out something. But there's something so uh, weird to me about people that book and do comedy. And it's like I never want to be like a booker that like put myself on my shows. Like I, I just love comedy and I love watching comedy and I never felt like this huge urge to do it. Like I always was like, I want to run a club or I want to book or I want to be a manager. And like now I'm like kind of just getting to the point where I'm figuring out pinpointing exactly what it is in the business I want to do. But uh, yeah, I don't know if I could ever <laughs> do. I did do improv in college. If well, that's that a counts good thing. for anything. Yeah, that's, that's how I started, man. Nothing more fun than improv when it's working, and yeah. nothing nothing less funny than, it, than improv when it's not <laughs> when it, working. That's perfect. Perfect I mean, way it's to just put like, it. Oh my gosh, to watch bad improv is it's like the worst thing in the world. Because you, it's worse part, than watching bad stand up. It think. is because you're part of the problem. If you're yeah. in the audience and you're watching a bad show, like some of the responsibility is, is you to get that you. show on track. And boy, yeah. it's <laughs> well, thanks a ton. I'm, I'm sure I'm talking to you again down the line somewhere. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was great. Yeah, it's good to catch up with you. Thanks. Thanks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Lucy. Uh, very smart lady. Really loves comedy. You can just hear that in the way she talks about comedians and about comedy in general. And again, we're lucky here in Nashville to have her uh, managing the club and, and also helping out down at the Stand Up Live Club in Huntsville, which I've yet to peek my head in that door. I mean to do that here pretty soon next time I head that direction and uh, see what that club's all about. Sounds like it's a great fit for that community. And uh, I know we have a lot of listeners down there in Alabama and specifically Huntsville. So I'd love to hear your feedback on that club and what you think is going on there. Uh, but it seems like a great fit at a great time for a city that's growing quite a bit. Again, if you would like to take a class, uh, she said it's a good idea. Uh, you can join me here in Nashville in August. I'll be teaching the stand-up comedy level one writing class. And those will be on Mondays, August 7th, 14th, and 21st from 6 to 8 p.m. If that interests you, shoot me an email at schooloflaughs at gmail.com, and I'll get you on the uh, standby list. Also, if you are not in Nashville but you want to take a writing class, uh, feel free to check out my stand-up comedy level one writing class online. You can check it out at schooloflaughs.com. Hit the online comedy class button, and uh, you can sign up for the silver edition right now and enjoy a 20% discount on that until September 1st. Uh, use the coupon code BETTERCOMEDY, B-E-T-T-E-R-C-O-M-E-D-Y, all capitals if you don't mind, and that will get you 20% off the uh, silver version, which is the uh, entry level, and you can always upgrade after that and just pay the difference if you decide to go further with it. So thanks again uh, for listening to the podcast. Thanks again to Patreon supporter Brian Bates, who is doing a, a bang-up job on the road right now. Uh, he just uh, was part of three sold-out shows with Henry Cho down in Knoxville and knocked it out of the park down there. So kudos to Brian for uh, not only being a former student but being a full-time comedian who takes it as serious now as he did when he first started. Pretty cool to see. Uh, lastly, another quick iTunes review before we head on out of this uh, episode. This is from Tone Scone. I love the different stories and tips. I love everything about comedy, and these podcasts help me dive behind the scenes. Hey, thank you very much for that five-star review. If you'd like to leave a review, please do on iTunes. We are hovering at 99 reviews right now, and I'd love to tip it over the 100 mark and try to catch us up to the episode numbers. You know, I think we're in the 140s right now, so 
uh, you can never have too many iTunes reviews. You know, if you're not sponsoring through Patreon, small way to give back. Okay, enough of me. Thank you guys very much. One last word from our sponsor. In the meantime, stay safe, stay humble, and stay... funny. Hi, this is Leslie Norris Townsend, and I want to invite you to be a part of the Clean Comedy Challenge 2017 in Pasadena, California, and in Chicago, Illinois. This is our seventh year for this one-of-a-kind conference that includes three days of learning, writing, performing, and hanging with the pros in the comedy business. The Clean Comedy Challenge invites comedians at all levels to have a chance to work on a real comedy stage or to fill out an ambition on their bucket list just to be a part of the comedy business. Go to cleancomedychallenge.com for more details. When you register, make sure you mention the School of Laughs podcast so I know where you came from. Be a part of the comedy train. Woo-hoo! Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit schooloflaps.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay money.